0: So uh, there's a lot of crazy stuff happening in our world right now. I think we all know about it. Uh, Things like COVID, uh, pretty big deal. Afghanistan, these are things when you watch the news, you hear and you're like, man, this is some crazy times that we're living in. But there's also some really awesome things that are going on. Right now, uh, that if you follow the news and you look at some other articles, you'll see some fun stuff. One of the things I think is really cool is Inspiration 4. Have you guys been tracking this? Inspiration 4 a group of civilians goes up into outer space for a few days, all by themselves, no professional astronauts. They just did that uh, last week. It's pretty cool to think about when you're like, man, that's pretty cool how far we've come where we're actually sending people that are not professionals. Into space now. Pretty amazing stuff. Delivery services now have reached like an all time high, right? Like, used to be you'd get like Pizza Hut that would deliver to you. Now, like, anybody will deliver just about anything. I was looking at cars the other night and they will actually deliver cars to you now, like, right to your house. It's pretty crazy. And there's something else I want to talk about for just a second and I don't know if you're aware of this or not, it's been around for a little bit, but did you know that you can actually spit a drop of spit? You can send it off in the mail. No, I'm not kidding about this. You can send a drop of spit off in the mail, and weeks later you get an email telling you your entire family history. How many of you are aware of this? Anybody? Like, there's just a few of you. Anybody done this? Raise your hand if you, man, you guys are like trendy, man. I'm not cool enough to do this. Um, I found out about this or heard about this a while back, and uh, my good friends Elizabeth and Sarah Ryan, Elizabeth works there in the office with us, and Sarah is in the live stream room right now, but they actually did this, and they were telling me just some information that they found out, but you find out all kinds of stuff. You can find out if you're related to like a president, uh, the Ryans, Elizabeth and Sarah, they found out that they have literally like ancestors that came over on the Mayflower. That's pretty crazy, right? You find out what continent you're originally from, like like up in, you know, like, I can't think of the continents right now. Europe. (laughs) Sorry, my brain went. Europe, Australia, Africa. You find out all of this stuff about your world. Just, just think about this. One drop of spit. Um, you, you might have just caught some, Rodney. Um, <laughs> one drop of spit can tell us these things. And isn't it interesting? I think it's interesting for a lot of us because deep down inside every one of us in this room, there's this thing ingrained within us to know where we come from. To know about our family tree and the roots in which we come from. And this morning, I want to talk a little bit about that. Because the fact of the matter is, like it or not, you have a family tree. You have a family tree. And let's be honest, every one of us has a little bit different variation of that tree. In fact, for some of you, your family tree is very extensive. And if you want to kind of know and gauge, okay, is my tree kind of weird or crazy? Just just follow this. Think about Christmas time. How many places do you wind up having to go? This is my step-great aunt or something like that, right? For some of us, it's it's pretty in-depth and pretty crazy and pretty extensive, and for others of us, it's pretty simple. But the fact of the matter is, each one of us in this room, we have a family tree. And the truth is, family tree, your family tree, is powerful. It's powerful. You know, you see students all the time, teenagers and young adults, they'll they'll be scrolling through Instagram or they'll be reading a magazine. I think that's kind of the old way people used to do it. And they'd be looking at that and their their dream or their thoughts is, I want to look like this when I get older. And every 40-year-old and older in the room knows that if you really want to know what you're going to look like one day, just pull out the family photo album, right? I mean, my grandpa French, my, actually, he's my great-great-grandpa French, his nose was enormous. And guess what? That nose, that, that glisten nose has passed down from every single one of us. My dad has this big nose. I got this big nose. We all got it. Our family tree, your DNA, it's powerful stuff. And the truth is, and we all know this, but we tend, the dysfunction that you find in your family tree tends to flow downward through the generations. And we see this in Deuteronomy 5. We're going to put this verse on the screen for you. Deuteronomy 5, verses 9 and 10. Moses is talking to the people of Israel, and he says this, You shall not bow down to other gods. Or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me. Now, here's what I want to say about this, this little passage here. He's trying to show us something about family trees, and this is what he's trying to show us there's this natural downward spiral for those generations that reject God and his word that the sin of one generation tends to flow down to other generations as well it's simpler this way ungodly parents tend to produce tend to produce ungodly children and those ungodly children tend to produce more ungodly children And you don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure this out. Talk to any DSS social worker. Work a week in the foster care system, and you'll find really quick, we see this principle play out, that your family tree is powerful. And for some of us, for some of us in this room, that hits really close to home. Because for some of us in this room, we can look at our family tree, and we can see... We can see that cold and distant mother. We can see that abandoning or abusive father. We can see that addicted parent or that adulterous parent right there in our family tree. And for some of us, when we think about that, when we think about all the pain, all the sin, all the suffering that's back there in our family tree, knowing that The tendency is that stuff tends to flow downward to us. It really can wreak havoc on our lives. But thank God for verse 10. I want you to look at verse 10 with me right here in this passage. This same God, this same God that watches the third and the fourth generations fall into corruptions. He watches them go that way. He watches them hate him and move into that way. This very same God... Look at what he does in verse 10. He shows steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandment. That there's this trend out there that we might flow downward, but there is something even greater at work. That there is this family tree, this dysfunctional tree that a lot of us have in our lives, but there's another tree in the story. And it's Calvary's tree. It's Calvary's tree that one drop of spit might identify our dysfunctional family tree, but one drop of blood from Calvary's tree can redeem and restore and redefine and reestablish our family tree. And man, if if you don't hear anything this morning, man, we've got to remember that. We've got to believe that in this room that it's all because of Calvary's tree, that there's a cross in the middle of our story that changes everything, that we don't have to be byproducts of our family tree. And for most of us in this room, we know this to be true. In fact, one of the reasons you're here this morning, parent, one of the reasons you're here this morning, child, student, one of the reasons is because you know you don't want to continue to carry that into the next generation that you want something more. You don't want to carry that junk down to another generation. And so this morning, the third thing I want you to see here before we get started is this. You do have a family tree, and your family tree is powerful, but third, your family tree can change. Your family tree can change. Not the people in it, not necessarily the people in it, But all the sin and all the dysfunction and all that stuff back there, man, you can allow God to do something amazing and your family tree can change. And here's how it changes. The first way it changes is God's redeeming grace. It can't happen aside from that. It can't happen apart from that. But God's redeeming grace comes in and changes your family tree. But there's also this other component that we see in Scripture, and we see it right here. We're going to read about it in just a minute. It's not just God's redeeming grace. It's also your relentless obedience, that you're going to be consistent in obeying God all the days of your life for the sake of your family and your generation's to come and God doesn't just leave us hanging. He's like he's not like, okay, just go do this somehow. No, he gives us his word to teach us how to do that. So I want you to turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6. We're going to be there all morning, so just go ahead and get your place there. We're going to get there in just a second. Deuteronomy chapter 6. When we started this series called Rooted, we knew going into it right up front that every so often, every few weeks, we wanted to have a moment to talk about how this plays out in the family. We've been talking about loving God in corporate worship, loving God through personal worship. And this morning, we want to talk about this idea of family worship. What does it look like to love God intentionally in your home? And I want us to look at that this morning. And I'm not going to do that alone. Uh, This morning, we have some great couples that are not great because of themselves, but they're great because of God's grace in their lives to work through and us talk about these things this morning. So if you would, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, I just thank you this morning for this opportunity we have to open up your word, to maybe hear some wisdom from what you've shown other couples and and what they've experienced in their own lives and their own families, to hear all of this this morning and to walk out of here saying, God, it is by your grace that our family tree can change and it's by our obedience that we can move in the right direction. So Lord, as we, as we share this morning, I pray, God, that we would just be open up to this time and that you would use it this morning for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this morning, uh, I've got some couples that you might be familiar with and some that you might not. Uh, this is my wife, Crystal. Crystal. Uh, and me and Crystal have four children. I think y'all probably know them. Will is our oldest. He's 11, uh, 12. Jackson's our second, 11. Uh, Zion is seven, and Abe is three. So we've got kind of a full range there um, as far as our family goes. We also have uh, here, I can't remember which one's next. Could you give me the picture? Sorry, I didn't look. Oh, perfect. The Marburgers. This is Gary and Heidi Marburger. You guys know Gary. He's our... Our wonderful uh, associate connect pastor, associate pastor connect in charge of our connect groups. They have three children, all grown, and many, many, many grandchildren. In fact, I asked Heidi if she could find me a recent picture with her children and all her grandchildren. And one doesn't exist yet at this point. point Not quite yet. Yeah, Yeah, so uh, this is their family this is some of their family. It's not all the grandchildren there, but this is as good as we got for them this morning. And then we have over here David and Tyranny Wright, and uh, they have two children that are both in Warehouse Student Ministry right now. Um, help me out here. How old's Caleb? 17. Caleb's 17, senior, right? He's a senior in high school. And then Caitlin Wright is is 15, and she's a freshman or, or sophomore. She's sophomore. Um, so this is, this is our families that are up here this morning to kind of talk about this idea of what does it look like for us to put Jesus first in our home. And uh, as we look at this, I want us to talk for just a minute. We've been talking about family trees. I want us to talk about what does your family tree look like? like what, where do you come from? What are your roots? What does that tree look like? I'll start over here with Gary and Heidi. You guys can share a little bit okay. about your family tree.
1: I grew up in northeast Ohio. A family of eight kids, two girls and then six straight boys. I was number uh, six in the in the family. I learned how to um, talk not fight and I could be very uh, sarcastic and and uh, goofy at times and that's kind of how I just made it uh, through. Um, anyway the sisters were kind of mean but uh, do not <laughs> they're probably not watching so but they're just kind of Tough old girls. Uh, but anyway, uh, my, my dad, when I was 14, he uh, developed cancer, uh, colon cancer. And really, this was a, a rooting time in his life where, where God started pruning him. And it was during this season that I saw a big change in his life. You know, we used to be regular in Sunday school, and then we'd go home after Sunday school, which uh, was just kind of our uh, way of doing things. And then after the sickness, he I, I saw a real commitment in his life. And that life change in him... Gave me a desire to uh, to want uh, closeness to the Lord so through the, the family crisis that was uh, when our family started to change of course uh, eight months uh, before he died I gave my life to Christ I got saved uh, but it was uh, during that season of, of his health issue that really caused me to to surrender to Christ so uh, for me that was the beginning of my journey yeah. so
0: how do you what
2: about you so, I was um, raised by, my mom and dad were, grew up one Lutheran and one Methodist, and they um, didn't really, my mom was saved at a summer camp when she was 10 years old, and, and she developed a real love for Jesus that, um, that just was real in her heart and life. And so, when mom and dad got married, she asked my dad to make a commitment to her that they would read a chapter of the Bible every day. And um, and they did that. It's really crazy, but they really did it. And my dad did it not because he loved the Lord, but because he loved my mom. And he also was a very disciplined man. <laughs> but um, he so they read the Bible, a chapter of the Bible every day. I am number five out of six children. And the year that I was born, uh, mom and dad uh, gave all the kids out to different people and went on a little vacation together. And they were we were. I was raised military, dad was in the military, and they we lived in France at that time. And they went to Rome and they were literally on a Romans road and dad was reading Romans, they were reading Romans chapter five. And dad says how he said to mom, you know, we usually do this at night, but how about if we do it this afternoon, um, since we're here and they had to wait for something. So they read it and that was when my dad realized he didn't know the Lord, that he had never made a decision to follow Christ and um, he, he said that just that connection of one man dying and making the difference that uh, one man's sin and then one man's blood, uh, he just connected and he invited the Lord into his life. So I had the privilege of growing up with um, two, with both of my parents knowing the Lord. And it was a... Um, it was real in their lives. I, I feel like I was raised in like a fresh Christian home. Yeah. Like it just was a, um, a reality was there. After dad made that decision, a lot of things changed. Mm-hmm. And I know it, my other brother was, my oldest brother was 14 at the time and then on the way down. Um, and so it just, uh, it, I had that privilege of being raised in a Christian home. That's awesome. David and
0: Tierney, what about you guys? What's your family tree look like? I grew up here
3: in Shelby um, is uh, my mom, dad. I have an older sister, uh, seven years older, grew up in a loving home, not necessarily a a Christ focused home. Um, I can remember uh, young, we would sporadically go to church, you know, a time or two here or there, nothing consistently at all. Um, Got into middle school age and my mom was trying to plug me into a youth group. We had a church a mile up the road and tried to plug me in there. And I did that for a few months. I kind of played the part. Just said hey yeah I'm a Christian I'm here and, and tried to fit in there and that kind of fizzled out as well and ended up at college Tierney and I both ended up at Appalachia State together and became real real close friends there and uh, started dating and I could see a difference in her from our, our other friends I could see that she she was a Christian and she did live it out and I was drawn to that and uh, so she started inviting me to church and um, we were dating and I said yeah I want to spend time with you so I went And uh, that's my reason was going. And then the the Lord just really started to work on me there. Um, Started to reveal himself at church uh, here and um, went through that several months. And then Pastor Larry Morris was here uh, preaching his last message with us and uh, just laid out a a great presentation of the gospel. The Lord just jumped all over me and I said, that's it, Lord, I surrender. Hmm. And uh, so I came forward and surrendered there and then um, our parents started attending uh, after that, which was awesome. Um, my wife, um, I'm sorry, my mom, uh, dealt with cancer uh, for about five years. Um, she uh, followed through with believer baptism here, baptism here, and um, passed away in 2003. Uh, thankfully, I still have my dad, but dad still attends here. used at the 9:30 service with us. so that's kind
0: of my yeah. circle with it. So that's great. Terry, what about you?
4: Well, my My family tree tree looks looks a little different different than David's, and I'll try not to cry. This This is the only question that will get me teared teared up. But um, my my family tree looks a lot more like the one you were describing at the beginning, because it's got lots of branches. (laughs) Um, My parents split up when I was about three, um, but my mom did the very best that she could to make sure we were here. We were at this church, um, and that we were here every time the doors were open. And that we had families in this church that were really showing us what um, a Christ-centered family looked like. And some of them are sitting out here today, so i trying not to look at them. But um, that really fed into my sister and I. But it really was my sister and I and my mom for a long time. And um, she was doing the very best that she could. But... Um, there wasn't a whole lot of focus at home on Christ, and um, it we really got our instruction here at the church, and um, my dad was an alcoholic, and he left when I was about three, and the great part of that story and our family tree and the fact that I love that it's so big is because it circles back around, and it really does show God's grace and his redemptive work because my daddy is sitting in here today, and um, he— doesn't struggle with alcohol anymore and he and my stepmom are active members at a church and you cannot sit down and have a conversation with them where they don't point you right back to Christ and um, my kids and my nephew are able to grow up with grandparents who can feed into their lives where maybe they couldn't feed into us when we were children but they're able to kind of redeem that through our grandkids, their grandkids, so. Man,
0: that's awesome. You know, it's funny, we, we look at your story, both of your stories, and um, the term that you, you hear a lot is this idea of generation breaker, you know, your your family, you, you guys kind of broke that generation, you know, of of deciding to, your family tree looking different. And uh, it's it's interesting, I think everyone here knows this, but or unless you're a guest or whatever, that's kind of the family I came from. I came from two generation breakers. Grandparents uh, were just about into every everything that I'd listed earlier, and um, and God used them to kind of break that generation. So that was kind of where I came from, a, a family of generation breakers, just like you and D- David, just like you and tyranny. You know, what about you, babe
5: well, um, I have the, uh, the gift of being um, raised by parents that were um, both raised by parents of um, uh, followers of Jesus. It's actually really interesting. My mom's parents and my dad's parents um, were um, going to church together. My dad's parents were actually um, saved under my mom's parents' ministry um, before my parents were even born. So um, we kind of go back a long time with both sides. And so I've really been... Um, so blessed with the generation of going to church and my dad was actually a youth pastor for 19 years I'm um, the second out of five children and um, just always just a very um, not perfect but we they did strive so much to um, invest in our family and serve our church and community and that was just really instilled in our our home and our family and um, and that's just something that I've been given and not always have um realized how what a gift it was and i've taken it for granted so much but um but i'm very thankful for the um the memories i have of my grandparents getting up early in the morning and as we're eating breakfast you know reading scripture to us and those scriptures still you know ring truth into my mind when the enemy is coming under attack i'm just so thankful for that um those their generations and their legacy that they've given me Um, but I'm sure each of you guys have different family trees and I'm sure we'd love to sit down and talk with each of you. Um, but we can't do that today, but we want to also just talk about like Jonathan mentioned that, um, our story and our tree doesn't really define our lives and our future that God uses those, um, to do amazing things and work through those. But, um, I know Jonathan had us turn to Deuteronomy six and I want to read verse five here. Um, it says, you shall love the Lord, your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. I'm sure you guys have all heard this commandment. I know even in the New Testament, we hear Jesus echoing this. Um, But um, as it comes to our families, we wonder how does this truth play out in our families? What does this look like in our day-to-day lives? So um, the next part, you know, we go into verse seven and it kind of answers that a little bit, where it says, you shall teach them diligently to your children. Our calling as parents, you know, is to impress the hearts of our children. We want to get to more than their behavior. We want to get to their hearts. Um, It's really easy to get those confused sometimes. But um, the world says your big reason for being here on earth is somewhere out there. But God says it's right in the family. And uh, what we model every day and what we teach our children matters. And I'm sure you guys know that as you've um, probably a lot of you have left the home and you are uh, remembering the things that were modeled and taught you and how they affect your life. But um, we want to talk a little bit about what the, each of the couples is some of this. And so I'm going to ask Gary and Heidi first. What was your breakthrough moment when this became a priority for your family?
1: I'll start. Okay. We got married in 1984, and uh, we started dating. Uh, we met at a Christian camp, and uh, we started dating. And started off, I think, pretty good. The only thing is I never really saw marriage um, really lived out. I, I, my parents loved each other. I mean they seemed that they were committed. They stayed married which I'm thankful for but my dad solved things. He'd explode and then he'd just kind of stew for a few days. That's how he solved things and then after a while he was smacking on the rear again and everything was fine and that's kind of how things were solved. So I said well I guess that's just how you solve things and then I meet Heidi's side and they just talk about everything and uh, which is probably the best way um, but I remember uh, our marriage, uh, probably about five years into our marriage, we, we didn't do things perfectly at all in our dating relationship, and, and and it was about five years in, maybe seven years, we realized, or I realized, that there was some unresolved things that needed to be um, taken care of in our relationship, and I, I remember us uh, just, I remember apologizing for the lack of respect that I uh, didn't show in in marriage, and. And uh, that was probably a, a big breakthrough in our time, I would say.
2: I, I think it really was. And um, I, I think we um, – Gary and I are both kind of strong, I would say. And, uh, and we tended to fight a lot. And um, I think we got to a point where it was like, okay, we have – I felt like I had some resentment, not that I should have really any more than he would, but um, but just I think I had some resentment from our dating years, and you're at that stage in your marriage where it's like, did I marry the right person? Should I have you know, done this differently? Should I have done that differently? All these things kind of hit in life. I think everybody goes through that, I hope. Maybe it's just me. But um, just thinking through these things, and it was like, you know what? I feel like the Lord talked to us that like I love Jesus more than any of this. I, I love Jesus and it's like we talked and it was we just decided we had to get down on our knees and pray and ask the Lord to forgive us for just everything through life up to this point. Up to those, you know, we already had three kids and they were being affected and and it was like we want to love you more Jesus. And um it was really was just truly a breakthrough that we Apologize to each other. We even apologized to a few different people just of, you know, I want to say silly things, but different things that had, uh, had gone on in life. And, um, and just ask God to forgive us and to use us for his glory.
3: with two kids and then we're like well now what (laughs) so uh, we knew we wanted to raise our kids in a christ centered home we didn't know how to go about it what that would even look like and probably the breakthrough was uh, for us was uh, attending the visionary parenting conference that we had here at the church and that pointed us to this deuteronomy 6 and To work Christ into your daily routine you know when you get up when we have family meal times, when we go and serve together and just it's not you got to do one thing we just try to incorporate it in in day-to-day stuff that that he's got us in in place doing uh, uh, through life so that was kind of our breakthrough in, in helping us get on get on track was the visionary parenting conference I'd say
4: and we did visionary parenting with our small group and so I'm gonna be Gary for a minute and plug your small group but um like Our small group is, has really been meeting together for the most part, a core group of families, some in and out throughout, but since the church did 40 days of purpose, and like, I can't tell you exactly when that was, but I know that Caitlin and another little girl in our small group couldn't walk yet, (laughs) so it was probably 15 years ago, and, um, just like when i was younger and there were families in the church that i could really look to to know what that christ-centered family looks like those families in our small group have been that to us now like if it i don't know what that our family would look like it does now if it hadn't been for those families that we have done life together our kids have grown up together and um we've leaned on each other when we didn't know what to do in a parenting situation and I hope we've held each other accountable in those areas too. But,
5: um, so I it's taking up your banter
4: there, Gary, for the small group.
5: I know for us, uh, we couldn't really pinpoint like a breakthrough moment um, as to say, but I will say when I moved here, I was around 20 and I'm actually from California originally. And um, I moved here and I didn't really know anybody. I moved here, I knew Jonathan, but at that point he was away at school. And so I was kind of thinking, oh, God's going to bring these people my age and going to have all this connection. And just the way my life was with school and work, it just really wasn't working out that way. But um, I just see God and his grace just kind of gave me um, a family, uh, the Spears family. I don't know if some of you guys may be um, familiar with them. They actually opened their home to me to live um, for those two years while I was in school. And um, it was such a gift to be able to watch them intentionally parent their children and intentionally um follow christ and um and i like i said i was raised in a christian home but stepping outside of that and just really seeing it played out somewhere besides a familiar area of your home um it was just um such such a gift that i was given to have that and jonathan and i also we were just saying you know when we actually first when i first came um gary and heidi were actually new the church too, um, but they started a small connect group um, for young marrieds, and we were able to go that to that as well, and just seeing their transparency and just seeing um, that played out and their honesty and everything was just such a gift as we were starting our family and um, hadn't really had kids yet, but just kind of starting that um, process.
0: I mean, Gary, you and Heidi, uh, they did our marriage counseling, premarital counseling, and uh, it was was really going really good. And... uh, (laughs) And then I became the youth pastor, and, and it's kind of funny that that would happen, but it's almost like it, that's kind of where our family, me and Crystal, where the intentionality started to fall away. When I, when I became on staff here, which is kind of sad to say, but we, we kind of weren't in a connect group, um, there wasn't as much intentionality in our marriage at the time. And for a few years there, we, we really struggled. I was doing so much work and so much great stuff at the church, but this wasn't where it should have been. And I remember we, we started going to a small group on a Sunday night. It was All in Marriage Connect group. Uh, John and, and uh, Ginger Oriente were leading it. And, man, God just began to work in our marriage and really set us up for what was to come with our family when our, when our children started to come in. And so um, God's definitely been faithful using the church and the people that make up the church to bring us to these breakthrough moments in life. Um, I want you to look at verse 7 again. Look at verse 7 here. It says, You shall teach them diligently to, their children, to your children and, and shall talk of them. And when do we do this? Look at what it says here. When you sit in your house, you'll do this. When you walk by the way, you're going to do this. When you lie down, you're going to do this. And when you rise up, you're going to do this. You see, God gives us here these four moments in our day that every one of us has. These four moments that are just really powerful moments that we get to capitalize on as parents. Uh, This intentional time that we have to lead our family, lead, lead our spouse and lead our children in thinking about Jesus And God clearly lays this strategy out for us. The first thing I want you to see here is this idea of family devotions. This idea of sitting down, having an intentional time to sit down and talk about the things of God. Verse 7 again, you shall talk of them when you sit in your house. So family devotions, did, did these couples up here, did you guys have family devotions, Gary and Heidi? And if so, what did that look like when you first started out with your family? (laughs)
2: <laughs> I'm going to have to say that uh, it probably started so our kids were pretty close together yeah. in age. They were, uh, you know, newborn, two and four. And um, when they started in Awana uh, in Ohio, we were living in Ohio, um, and they would bring home their little books, you know. And um, and it, that was really so helpful for us with starting out with with fam- because it turned into devotions because you would sit down and... Um, and two boys and then a little girl the little girl would listen you know i know if you have all boys it's really rough but uh, they would so we'd get the two boys and we would do their little verses with them and that was really how our devotion started and then as it, it went um when they started school i just can vividly see gary leaning against the kitchen counter the kids eating bowls of cereal at the breakfast table or at the dinner at the table and um and I'd be making lunches. <laughs> and, uh, and Gary would read them a little keys for kids. And that was kind of like our, our morning routine, As they would you know, get ready for school, sit down, have breakfast. And while they're having breakfast, Gary would read to them. Their mouths were busy, so it, it helped, was helpful. And um, it, would, it just worked out really well. And uh, Gary would you know, sometimes do crazy things and sometimes act out the devotions and different stuff. And I think that just kind of helped the kids grasp it more. And uh, yeah, and then you guys would pray as you would
1: uh, take them to school typically, and uh, we'd pray on the way to school and have little uh, reflections back to the devotional. So it was good; it was a good touch. And, and we try to be regular with this. And you know, if you miss a day, don't feel bad; just start a, Start the next day.
4: I think we knew we always wanted to. So like we started out, even as they were infants, like that was part of our bedtime routine. We just read a Bible story before they went to bed. Um, as like little preschoolers, um, I might be a little over the top. So sometimes we did like crafts and um, snacks that went along with our Bible study. That's just cause that's how I am. But, um, but then I as they got older, It kind of changed a little for us, Um, and I'd like to say the whole 17 years we've been parenting, we've been great at keeping um, our family worship time, but we have not, and um, so when they were small, it seemed a lot easier to get that done. Um, The more active they got, the crazier our schedule got, kind of that fell to the side, Um, and it became more of, like, a weekly thing, and um, we did, like, big weekly things. So, like, we might do um, a big object lesson that went along with something they were struggling with, or we might um, (laughs) do—I'll embarrass Caleb. Caleb might play the guitar, and we might sit around and sing, or we might play a lively game of uh, Bible trivia around the fire pit. And if you know our family, I all like—everybody's super competitive but me— so, like how Bible trivia turns into a competition, I don't know, but it can, and um, so it just has looked very different. But when we started to homeschool, um, the kids and I were doing Bible time in the morning, and that almost it did take the place of our family devotion time for a long time. And this past year during um, quarantine, I got really convicted about the fact that we weren't doing family anymore <laughs> we had left out a vital part of the family and it was just me and the kids in the mornings and david was already at work and um so i i don't like COVID and I don't like quarantine but i am grateful for that time and that conviction and that um chance to kind of refocus our family and recommit to that family worship time because honestly at that point, we had two years left with our oldest, and now we only have a year left with him at home. And um, that has looked very different now. Now my kids don't want an object lesson or a snack that goes along with their story. And uh, so we had to kind of re- revamp and figure out what worked for them. And um, we, we found some series on Right Now Media we've done. We, did, uh, we actually did a Matt Chandler's Revelation sermon series. That'll bring up some lively conversations. So, I mean, it's just really finding where our kids, what they were wanting to learn about and going from there.
0: You so. said this uh, a few days ago. Uh, it it might have been you or David, but I thought it was powerful. It's like when they're young, you're really just kind of chasing them around the house while you're trying to have this moment. And then when they get older, you're really chasing their schedule, mm-hmm. right? Like it's not a matter of them... Uh, running around the house as much as it is running around in their day-to-day schedule. Um, Babe, I want you, if you don't mind, just for a minute, Crystal, talk a little bit about this next part in verse 7 for us.
5: Well, the next part we have is the part about being in transit. And I know we may not walk a lot, but we are driving. So this verse says um, in 7, we continue. It says, and she'll talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way. So um, I don't know about you parents out there, but you might have a lot of minutes or maybe even hours of car time that you feel like you're taxing your kids around everywhere. I know I'm starting to feel that a lot more as the kids are getting older. But um, um, as we're kind of talking with you guys, Gary, um, how did God use car time for you guys?
1: We, We, we've tried, I know sometimes when we're on like, you know, 20, 30 minute drives, we'll, We'll just take that time to to have a a prayer time for our family and with our family and just about things that are on their hearts. And then uh, Focus on the Family did something really good several years ago called Adventures in Odyssey. And they, there's a really neat Bible that goes along with that, too. But we got these uh, cassettes at the time. And uh, we just started playing those in the car. And they were really good. I mean, I'd get sermon ideas and everything from them. But, uh, but that was really, in fact, it's kind of cool the way it, it's passed on. Josh, our oldest, who lives in Hawaii, he, he has them now, too. And he, his kids are all learning about, you know, the Adventures in Odyssey. So pretty cool.
4: Video. They watch all. The, well, what's in the Bible? They watch the What's in the Bible um, little video series all the time. Um, but now that they're teens, that might be the only time that like they can't get away from us. So I can remember a time just recently um, when Caleb and I had to make a drive to Asheville, and we were taking Caitlin up to visit a friend. And so the way up there, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of deep conversation. But um, what I've noticed, especially with a boy, is sometimes it takes a long time to get to the deep stuff. And whereas we can jump in the car with Caitlin, and man, it's just already. But um, with Caleb, it takes a minute. And so uh, the trip up there wasn't very eventful. We dropped Caitlin off. We're headed back down the mountain. And we were barely started down the mountain. And he just started opening up about some things he was struggling with and um just some some ways that God was really working in his heart and I remember coming home and just telling David oh my goodness that was just the best drive ever because you just don't get those minutes with your teenager as often as you would like so I know I
5: mentioned already my kids we have a little bit of a drive like a 30-minute drive to school and back and we have had different drives um the past years but I think my tendency sometimes is I can consider like car time wasted time because it just feels like, you know, oh, you're just rushing here, rushing there. But when I really think about it, I love um, the fact that we have this opportunity. I mean, like they mentioned Adventures in Odyssey and What's in the Bible. Growing up, I had one called Patch the Pirate. <laughs> Jonathan, thanks. <laughs> Jonathan, but I remember the songs. Unfortunately, Jonathan, the message—it's yes.
0: weird delivery.
5: <laughs> but anyways, those moments in the car that you know we had these things playing, like they—they they still are stuck in my brain. And um, but listening to my kids sing behind and me being a part of that, just I guess just reminding them that something—that's something we do more than just up here on Sunday or sitting in our seats on Sunday. That we can worship. Um, from that place, and I think those memories of doing that in our family van rides growing up, you know, were some of the places that have such great memories, and also just where I just had such a desire to worship and sing um, sing for God, you know, in that, um, in those moments. The next, I'm sorry, go ahead. I
0: think it's easy uh,
1: to call uh, we'll them just pass them the phone or let them do that type of thing, or but, you know, don't waste those opportunities, too, it's easy, and it, or for you to be on the phone, yeah. you know, hey, those are, I found that's one. Our second one was like Caleb, you know, he he wouldn't talk, but you get him in the car, he would talk about different stuff and, you know, even personal stuff. So don't miss out, you know, by being distracted or letting them be distracted.
0: Yeah, it's not a wasted opportunity there. Don't waste it. The next moment you see here is bedtime. So verse 7 again, she'll talk with them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, and when you lie down. This is an opportunity each family has each night. And this, for our family, this is kind of our main time for for family devotions. This is when we like to do it as a family right there uh, before they go to bed. And um, with four boys, uh, our goal is not perfection anymore. Used to be. Um, I, I like things done well, but I've learned over the years that kind of has to go out the window. It's not really for us about perfection. It's more about consistency and frequency. And um, for us, that's, that's been such a thing that we've really just tried to, For really, for both of us, it's been very, you know, it's hard. There's nights you come home, and I'll just be honest, there's nights I come home, I just don't want to do that. You know, I, I, I'm tired. I, I want to sit down and think about something other than that. And uh, I know that's kind of a confession, but, um, but this is an opportunity we have to really push through that and do it anyway. And uh, and even if the kids are having a hard time staying on focus, you're creating this moment in time, this moment that your kids are going to remember. They might not remember every word that you ever said. They probably won't. They definitely won't. Um, sometimes they won't even remember the night before. But the consistency of that, God is going to use that in your family. And so uh, for us, bedtime Bedtime was really it for us. Heidi, share a little bit about uh, bedtime in, in your house.
2: Well, when, uh, when we were talking earlier this week, I just um, was sharing about a story about Jeff. Jeff was our one, like, in the car. I can never forget one time, and he was probably 11 or 12. And he, I said, Jeff, what are you thinking? Because, you know, we didn't have a video in the car or anything. And I just said, Jeff, what are you thinking? And he looked at me, and he said, thoughts. And he was dead serious. He was thinking thoughts, and we learned then to start drawing things out of him, like, tell me ten th- five things you did at school today. But so one night, um, Jeff loves sports, just like his dad, and um, one night we were um, we would say prayers with our kids every every evening at or every time at bedtime. We would just go in there, like one or the other of us or both of us, and um, so I was in his room, and he was laying in bed, and I was just right there beside him, and um, he said, Mom. I am, I'm never going to be tall enough to play basketball really good. And he loved it. He loved to play. And I said, oh, Jeff, I said, you play well. Yeah, but I'm not ever going to be tall enough. And he was just, it was one of those moments that's kind of like a tyranny said where it's just like, oh, he's just really baring his heart to me. And, um, and in my mind, I'm thinking, oh Lord, what do I, what do I say to him? You know, you're not going to be tall. Sorry. (laughs) But it was, um, but it was just really a, uh, I, it, I said to him, Jeff. You know, the doctor said we're all going to be like around 5'8". eight. <laughs> we're all like five eight, five nine, and that's what Josh and Jenny and Jeff and Gary and I are. But um, I said, you know, Jeff, you could pray. You could ask Jesus um, to make you taller. And it was, uh, and and we prayed. And it was one of those nights where it was just such a special, um, uh, special time together. And Jeff is six one. And uh, and honestly, he was not predicted to be that at all. But um, it happened.
1: Morning, he was six <laughs> one. <laughs> no, it took a while.
0: Never
2: forget, forget it. it. But, but if you talk, talk to Jeff about, about it, 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 it is a come moment come. in his life that he still remembers praying that prayer, and uh, and looking back and thinking, "Oh my goodness, I grew. I grew taller than the rest of the family." I, I love something
0: you said. About the idea of in our prayer time. Uh, building that answer, right? Like going back and saying, see how God did this in your life, you know? Not just surface-level praying, but praying about something, and then when God answers that, revealing that to our kids, letting them see that. You said that the other day, and I thought that was very powerful. David, uh, this is a special time for you as well at night, right when your kids are going to bed. Talk a little bit about your bedtime at the right house.
3: Yeah, so, so my part of that is, is one-on-one prayer time with the both kids uh, individually ever since they were little. I've started, you know, with that, and that's just been awesome, amazing. From them going to their just very generic prayer, bedtime prayers to uh, as their relationship has grown with Christ, hearing those prayers change and then hearing the true desires of their heart and what they're, you know, struggling with, what they're reaching out to God for help with and then what they're praising God for, answering and getting them through. And that's just been amazing. And if not taking the time to do that, I'll just look at all that I would, miss because that may not come up in a conversation, but to see them pour it out to God was, is amazing. I'm just thankful for our opportunities. And that's just been a great deal that I've been able to, you know, keep with both kids, so. That's
1: good. Well,
5: our last um, part of this verse says, And we shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise. Now, not all of us are morning people. Jonathan thinks I'm the morning person, but I think I'm becoming less convinced of that, and my kids would probably agree. Um, But um, as far as our mornings, um, we kind of can resemble a home alone appearance of we're scrambling, we're spilling stuff, we're forgetting things, and it's all of us, me included. And so um, it's not usually the best time for us to, um, to sit down and have a devotion time. Sometimes I wish it was, um, but, um, but for our family, really the nighttime has been um, the better time for us to really sit and have that one-on-one um, personal time with our kids. But um, for you guys, what does it look like for your mornings? So our mornings when our kids were in school, we were just trying to get out the door
4: without me um, having a temper tantrum. <laughs> so we, we've we never been like sit down and do a morning devotion kind of family. Um, when my kids went to school, we kind of did praise and worship and prayer time in the car on the way. Um, for now, now that my kids are 17 and 15, David leaves for work at 630. So we don't get up to do family devotions with david before he leaves so it's more of like our our personal devotion time in the mornings Uh, my kids have their own um relationship with christ so the mornings are time that we all just spend doing our own devotion and prayer time and then it's more the evenings when we gather back together like for dinner to talk about okay like you know what is god saying to you where's god moving in in your life but
1: Getting ready the night before does help, you know, having clothes out and those type of things are, do help with just the processes in the morning.
2: You know, I thought how um, one summer when they were probably second, fourth, and sixth grade, um, the Lord allowed me to just have special time with the kids where we sat down and, and um, we had gotten them each a journal. And that summer, they learned how to journal different things, like even when they prayed things and, you know, would would write down what they asked the Lord for, and just maybe a thought from the verse that we just read. And that's something that they have carried with them. And I think their mornings um, became where they would, you know, do their, do a little devotional time on their own as they had grown up. So that was kind of cool, yeah.
0: Just read this quickly. We're running out of time here, but it says uh, it talks about the environment in your home. What does your environment look like? You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them down on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. It's this idea of your home being a place where you are making Jesus and His word the natural topic in your household. And both of you couples have really taken this literally. Like Karen, he talked for we we only have a second on this, but talk for just a second about uh, the environment in your home. We've got some pictures here that are going to come up.
4: So um, our smoker did another Bible study with the resolution, and we had like a ceremony. And um, so that um, actual contract, I guess is what it would be called, is hanging on our wall. And really it's there to remind us of what we said we wanted as a family And um, in our dining room, we kind of stole this idea from another family in our church. But in our dining room this year, we each picked a word. And then we took that word and found a scripture verse that represented it and kind of hung it in our dining room so that when we sit down for dinner together, we at least once a week just kind of check in on each other. Like, how are you doing? Staying focused. How are you doing? Staying intentional. You know, mine is joy. So they'll call me out real quick.
0: Gary and Heidi, real quick, uh, this happened in your house as well. Something pretty amazing.
1: This one, and okay. it, it was uh, it was actually in March. And I, as Heidi said, I love sports. And what I would do uh, during March Madness week is on Thursday, I'd go get Josh or Jeff out of school, and uh, we would watch March Madness all weekend. I mean, it's Thursday all day, uh, starts at midday and goes till about midnight, and then Friday's the same thing. And uh, we cook frozen pizza and just have a great time and just sit around. And, but it was funny one on Saturday. Uh, my wife said to us, "She goes, why 'Why don't you guys do something productive?'"
2: And I, I didn't make a face like that.
1: Yeah, well, she, <laughs> she. But I thought, you know, I didn't get mad. But I thought, focus on the family. I had heard on the Christian radio how your family should do a mission statement. How it'd be neat to have like a mission that you stand for. And uh, I'll never forget. We did. We shut off the TV. And uh, we drafted this family mission statement, and it's just a paragraph, and it just kind of uh, helped us stay focused on what we thought our mission should be. And you know, it's up there. In fact, we had it on our wall. In fact, it was funny that we we had, we had we all signed it, but my youngest, my daughter at the time, 1999, I think it was, she was like nine. She goes, I ain't signing that thing. And yeah, but she signed it. She just kind of, but what was cool was we, we keep going back to that, and uh, they'll, they, they've done that too. It's just kind of cool they've caught on to, to the mission as well, a mission. So it's a cool thing.
0: Gary, I got one more question for you. I know we're way out of – we've got just a hair of time left. But what if, what if you're sitting in this room today and maybe this has not been something you've done intentionally with your family and you want to start, what do, you, what do you say to a parent who maybe has a teenage son, teenage daughter – and they want to get intentional now, starting today. What would you say to them? What's what's some advice you can give them?
1: I, I would say, hey, push through. Push through the awkward. You know, it's worth it. Um, Satan doesn't want this to happen in your home. And in fact, we've just we've given you that tool, that little booklet, that rooted tool would be a great way just to. You know, read through that and get behind uh, what's in there, and and uh, I, I push through. It, it, it's worth it. It's it's a great investment. Great, offer. and Satan doesn't want it. usual. there'll be a little family fight when you start your devotion time, and you know, if you have young kids, someone will mess their pants or something. And but do it anyway. It's a good thing. It, it, it push through.
0: Yeah, I, I want to just take maybe 30 seconds for each couple. Just maybe a last word of encouragement for. For us as the body of Christ, what would you say? Crystal, why not you speak for us?
5: Um, I heard it said once that you are more like your children than unlike them. And um, I thought, oh, man, that's so true so many times. I feel like I'm trying to correct this and that, but I'm really realizing they're seeing a lot of that in myself. And so really, um, am I am I demonstrating and modeling a passion and a love for Jesus in my own life that they can follow? Am I, like, planning myself um, to be watered by God's word, like, you know, so they can see that? and just realize how important it is that I'm pursuing Jesus and I can also um, uniquely help Jonathan being a spiritual leader in the house. It's not just on him.
0: David and Tierney. I'd
3: say uh, start somewhere, whether it be a family meal time or family devotions or even bedtime prayers, uh, start somewhere. Uh, I certainly wasn't perfect at it. I certainly dropped the ball uh, continuously. You can ask my kids; they'll be in the next service. They'll they'll echo that. But I'd say start what start somewhere and just build on that. Be intentional.
1: <laughs> just just mm. stay married. That's the best thing you can do for your. I'm serious for your kids and grandkids. Stay married and uh, and then pray together. I think it's a good thing.
2: Yeah, and that's. Um, And you could could just love love each other well, that would even be better. (laughs) And um, I I would think, don't be afraid to ask other people to pray for you. We went through some rough times, um, especially with Josh um, when he was 15, 16. And I can remember Gary leading the Wednesday night prayer group and just stopping and saying, we would really like you to pray for our son. He's just struggling with this and this. And it it was so, we know God works through prayer. There's just no doubt God works through prayer. And teach your kids to listen to the Holy Spirit. Like, just make sure you listen to the Holy Spirit and teach your kids to, to learn how to listen to the Holy Spirit. That's good.
0: Um, you know, this is what it is, guys. It's family worship. It's intentionally putting Jesus first. Whether you're a parent, a grandparent, or a single that uh, in your family, at home, it's this idea of putting Jesus first. I want to thank our couples for being here today. I also want to say, and I, I told him I was going to put him on the spot at the very end, but David and Tyranny, uh, you know, it's easy for you guys out there to say, "Oh yeah, you do family devotions. You're a pastor, and Gary's a pastor." But uh, David, this is literally the last place on earth you would ever find yourself. You know, uh, he is not much of a uh, outspoken, vocal, stage kind of person. And I was so thankful he decided to be up here today because he really kind of breaks the mold and says, hey, we really don't have excuses, dads. We don't. We don't have an excuse. We don't have an excuse, mom, to lead our family in intentional family worship. So I pray that that would be true for each one of us here today, that we would step out and do that. And uh, there's a list of resources there in your handout. You're more than welcome to check those out. Devotional guides, different opportunities there for you to connect with your family. I want to thank you guys for being a part of this this morning. Let's say a a word of prayer. God, we just thank you, Lord, for this moment. Lord, I pray, God, that you would just uh, help us to step out of our comforts, uh, maybe even potentially have to step into awkwardness, Lord, uh, to make you first, Lord, to make you the center of our home, Lord. Help, Help our kids not just to hear about you on Sunday lunch talking about the sermon, but Lord, help us to Help us to, to, to talk about you when we, when we lie down, when we rise up. Lord, help us to talk about you when we're in the car. Help us to talk about you when we're at the dinner table, when we're having time together as a family. God, help you to be on our lips, Lord. Help, help our children to see what you're doing in our, in our lives. And God, help that to just overflow to them, Father. And we just pray that we would be intentional in the days ahead. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Guys, thank you for being here this morning. You're dismissed.